Hey, what up? Hello, everybody. Alex Kapitko here, centered from Reality Podcast. It is January 24th. It's a Wednesday. It's hump day. I actually had a pretty easy day today. I took the morning off and uh, went for a Nordic ski with my dad. Of course, the damn weather app, the weather underground website, NOAA, all of them told me different things and all of them disappointed me. It was rainy, but as I as I was telling someone earlier, I was like, you know, it was rainy, it was wet, it was slow, but it's always good times to go on a ski with your parents and just cherish that type of stuff. So it was fun. And anyways, before we get to the topics today, I want to talk about quite a unique blend of topics that I'll get to in a moment. But I, I do a lot of driving and I was driving home tonight and I just wonder why when you're on the freeway, there will be periods where you're just moving fast and there's no issues and the flow is perfect. And then there's always these sections, the same sections every day. And you get to them and you just see all the red lights. And it's not like it's an intersection. You're on the you're on the freeway. You know, it's not like there's traffic jam or there's like an on-ramp. It's just there's always certain spots where everyone bunches up. And I want to know why. I want to know why. I have some theories that I don't have time to get into right now, but I just want to know why there is, it's the same spots every day, you're cruising along, and then they always just get bottlenecked. And yes, maybe maybe I just drive too much, and I'm just getting sick of it, and the delusion is coming out, but it is something that really <laughs> fascinates me. So anyways, today I, you guys are going to be kind of surprised with some of the topics. I want to talk about a liquor store being permitted for foreign diplomats in Saudi Arabia, first time in 70 years they are selling booze inside of the kingdom. I also want to talk about Zen nicotine pouches. By the way, I've never had a Zen. But there's an interesting culture war heating up in D.C. You have a kind of a right-left battle where Chuck Schumer, Senate Majority Leader, he wants to basically try to regulate Zen more because there is an issue with teenagers, high school students using it. It's booming on TikTok, all of that type of stuff. And of course, then on the other side, you now have Marjorie Taylor Greene calling for a Zinn surrection and Republicans now posting photos with Zinn. It's kind of like the Bud Light thing, but a new iteration of that with also some interesting conversations about what the, what the role government should do. So we'll talk about that. I also want to touch on New Hampshire. But first, with a heavy heart, <laughs> I start with probably one of Charlie Kirk, remember Turning Point USA co-founder, Real piece of human garbage. I'm trying not to cuss as much, so we'll call him just that. But anyways, Charlie Kirk put out, well, he didn't put it out, on, on, on one of his podcasts, he was with Jack Posovic, who's a real lovely character as well, and a few others who I don't even know who they are, and they basically talk about how if they are on a flight and they notice their pilot is black, they hope he can fly the plane well. It's racist dog whistling. It's just stupid. It's vile. I'll play the clip and then we'll we'll talk a little bit after it. But I think this is a good image of just kind of what's happened to this national conservative right. And, you know, for a long time, people always say, oh, it's, it's not a racist movement. Maybe they're racial or they dog whistle, but there's no racism. But Every time I hear some of these people speak, it sounds like it is getting more and more racist. And it's, it's troubling to me. But this clip is just so stupid. So let me start and play it. 
And that's why I think this United story and the DEI story yes. hits so hard because we've all been in the back of a plane when the turbulence hits or when you're flying through a storm and you're like, I'm so glad I saw the guy with the right stuff and the square jaw get into the cockpit before we took off. And I feel better now thinking about that. No, I mean, like, that. you want to go thought crime? Like, I'm sorry, if I see a black pilot, I'm going to be like, boy, I hope he's qualified. Well, that's the you wouldn't have done that. You wouldn't have. You no, wouldn't have done that not, before. That's not an immediate. No, you wouldn't that's have done that before. That's not who I am. That's no. not what I believe. It is the reality the left has but created. I, I, I'm, I'm, and and as you guys know, usually I'll interrupt in in these clips and have something to say. But I was kind of speechless when when I recorded this for the pod because it's just like God, like. <laughs> At the end, he says, this is not who I am, blah, blah, blah. I'm just asking questions, that type of thing again. But at the end of the day, it, I mean, it kind of is who you are. I mean, you're putting out a podcast literally talking about how you might question the abilities of a black pilot. And I also like earlier in this, Charlie Kirk says, let's go thought crime. Like he's some dissident fighting against the oppressive regime, saying unknown truths or truths that can't be spoken. When in reality, he's just dog whistling and just saying blatantly racist things like we also have to remember what martin luther king jr day was about a week and a half ago he was also the one asking why we even celebrate it and saying martin luther king jr is overrated <sighs> i mean this isn't thought crime this is charlie kirk just having stupid takes that are just hateful and bigoted and that there's really not much else to say here i mean i I guess, I guess what they are talking about here is they're basically saying that if you have a black pilot, the pilot is only a black pilot is only flying the plane because of DEI programs where they want to hire different minority groups to meet quotas. And I think that's just stupid. Um, there are there are standards, there are classes, there's training, there's criteria. I, I, I think it's just an absurd point that is not true, and it's just again, part of this mixture of xenophobia and nationalism and racism all kind of mixed into what Turning Point USA has become here. And and also, I've never been on a plane and looked at the ethnicity or race, whatever you want to say, of the pilot, and that's never really been a determinant in whether I feel safe on the plane or not. Weather, sure. Turbulence. If I'm flying a 737 MAX, maybe. If I'm flying on Spirit Airlines or Ryanair back in my Europe days, yeah, maybe then I have some questions. But it's never the race of the pilot that really comes to my mind when I'm questioning my safety on a plane. What I want to make sure is that the FAA and airlines themselves are actually making sure pilots are properly trained. They're regulating the airlines correctly. That's the stuff that would get me a little bit more concerned. And something that is concerning is we do have to remember that there's a pilot shortage. I think it's a little bit better now, but after COVID, there was quite a pilot shortage. So that means they were trying to bring on new pilots, hiring quickly. And that's not a race thing. That's not a DEI thing. That's a shortage and trying to fill that shortage by bringing on new pilots. So there are a lot of rookie pilots out there. That worries me more than the skin color of my pilot. Well, the skin color of my pilot does not worry me whatsoever. And it's just an insane take. And... I think this shows how the culture wars, again, are just rotting people's minds. And honestly, I feel like my mind is kind of rotting just because I'm listening to this and talking about it, so we'll move on. Anyways, and speaking of culture war and rotting, I guess we can talk about Zin, which is a, a brand of flavored nicotine pouches that you can put in your mouth. You know, it's it's seen as a cleaner alternative to chew it's, or, or the snooze pouches or whatever else. I don't use them, so I'm not a good expert on them, but I'm aware of them. 
because they've kind of become a pretty big item in social media. Tucker Carlson's a big fan of him, so I'll go on Instagram Reels once in a while and I'll see clips of him talking with like Kid Rock and the Nelk Boys about how good Zeus, I mean not Zeus, how good uh, Zinn is. And it's definitely become very popular with younger generations. I was at a Mexican restaurant in my hometown like two weeks ago, long line. The three teenagers in front of me were all talking about how they were feeling sick because they had to hold their zins in while they were snowboarding all day. And one had to go out in the parking lot maybe to vomit. I don't know. But anyways, it's it's something – look, I'm in my 20s, but this is – I'm not really into the online youth, whatever the kids are doing these days culture. But it, it is pretty big. <laughs> Even me, who's not not a TikToker and doesn't 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 have any younger siblings or anything, I, I still see it just in my daily life. So, anyways, Zinn is a big thing, and <laughs> basically, congressional Republicans are furious because Senator, sorry, yeah, Senator uh, Chuck Schumer of New York, Democrat, he is pushing for federal action basically to regulate, I don't think go as far as ban, but regulate and put out new guidelines and stop underage kids from getting it, which sometimes can lead to, which which can lead to a ban eventually. And The Hill has a good piece and it writes here in quotes, over the weekend, Chuck Schumer urged the Federal Trade Commission and Food and Drug Administration to investigate Zinn over its marketing and health effects. And that's according to The Hill and CBS News. And basically, Schumer has said in quotes here, it's a pouch packed with problems, high levels of nicotine. So today I'm delivering a warning to parents because these nicotine pouches seem to lock their sights on young kids, teenagers, and even lower, and then use the social media to hook them. And I I think, um, you know, back when I was in college, the same thing kind of happened with stuff like Juul and all these other vapes. And I think Zen is just a new new alternative to that, kind of the new big thing right now. And, you know, I, I'm kind of conflicted on this, and I'll, I'll get into more of it in a minute, but I'm conflicted on this because I am into the government letting individuals do what they want and not regulate it. I think our country is built on choices and access to making choices and not being told what to do. I don't particularly want to live in a nanny state. That is where my more, I guess you could say, libertarian instincts do come in a little bit. But that being said, I don't think it's insane for Chuck Schumer and other House de- or Senate Democrats to just call on the FTC and the FDA to make sure that Zinn is not selling a product that is not being labeled correctly, reported on correctly, and maybe they're misleading people in getting it. And so, you know, Philip Morris International is the parent company of Zinn, which is a Swedish company. Or, or sorry, Zinn is made by Swedish Match, which is a Swedish company that then is owned by Philip Morris. And, <clears throat> excuse me, Philip Morris, giant tobacco company, now obviously sells vapes and Zinn and all this stuff as well. Philip Morris is not exactly known for being truthful and transparent all the time. So I am 100% fine with the FTC and the FDA just making sure we know more about this because it's true. Underage kids are getting access to it. They're getting addicted to it. There's a huge rise in nicotine use amongst kids. Now, some would argue, and I can I can entertain it, that kids have always been rebellious and got into this. But I think when you mix new flavors, social media, 
TikTok videos of kids looking cool doing it. It does add up to some something of an epidemic among younger generations, and you you just see it all the time. I see it like when I was teaching in Spain, I I had private lessons with students. Some of the some of the older siblings of students I had because I I taught primary school. But they, they had older siblings, and they'd talk about how their older siblings were into vaping and smoking and all this stuff at pretty young ages. So it just seems like the kids are doing it younger and younger. And I can understand why lawmakers, this is what they do, want to come out and at least try to get accurate information and also try to combat underage use. I mean, I don't think that's insane. And I, I feel like maybe this isn't a perfect comparison, but to me this feels a little bit like when Joe Biden... And well, the Joe Biden administration was basically just saying that new studies show that more than two drinks of alcohol a week isn't good for you. And this was a huge change because I think for women, it was like seven drinks a week. And for men, like up to like 13 or 14 drinks a week was deemed somewhat okay. And now that number's just dropped to two. And basically they were saying like no more than two drinks a week is good for you. And Republicans were like, Biden's trying to take your third beer. They're going to ban beer. And then, you know, you had Ted Cruz posing, doing rallies, drinking beer, Republicans all saying, they're not going to take my beer from me. And it went from Biden's administration just saying, well, we have new information. And that information is that you should probably drink less than two beers a week. I think a lot of us, myself included, don't always follow that rule. But it wasn't like Biden was going to send the government into your house to take away that third course or something. And it was insane just how quickly the right, ranging from like commentators to actual lawmakers, just turn this into some stupid topic. And I guess that is what happens when you no longer can pass policy or debate topics. And that's where we're at in this one, too, is that I think it's okay for the public just to know the truth about substances like this. But then at the same time, I, I, I would have issues then, say, if Chuck, Chuck Schumer openly said they want to ban it, because we have to remember that tobacco is legal, it kills a lot of people. I think it's like half a million people a year in the United States. Alcohol is legal. Obviously, the pharmaceutical drugs are freaking horrible too. O- Ozempic, we don't even know what it does, but people are losing weight. Like, There's a lot of things out there that arguably could be banned that are not. So I, I would have issue with that. But right now, just studying the health effects of it and investigating the marketing, maybe making it so kids don't get it as easily, I think that's okay. I think that is completely fine. And I, I always think about... You know, Juul was kind of held up as a pariah, for example, and a lot of a lot of civil suits and class action suits against Juul, and it didn't really lead to an e-cigarette ban. You just had worse Chinese makers come out of nowhere and absorb the market. So I don't think you could particularly ban something. You just see other companies pop up. So anyways, of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene, I think, has my favorite post on X about this. She called for a Zinsurrection. Tom Tillis, Republican senator, he posted a picture of himself with a can of Zin on, on his desk. I have seen probably like 10 different posts of Republican senators and congresspeople posting with pictures of Zin. Either this is a complete virtue signaling or they all just have chewed the whole time and I guess I just never knew it. I'm going to guess it's virtue signaling. It would be hard to believe that all of them loved Zen the whole time, and now they're just coming out about it. And I also find it funny because I think it was Tom Tillis who was basically like, Democrats are focusing on this while there's a border crisis and 
chaos in the Middle East and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, of course, those are all real issues as well. But this is one senator just saying that he wants to open up an investigation into this and also call on our government entities that are supposed to regulate this stuff to do something about it. Again, you can walk and chew gum at the same time. And it seems like the Republicans are saying, oh, there's better stuff to do, but they're all the ones posting pictures of Zinn on social media. So (sighs) look, let's not ban Zinn. Let's get true information about it. And we don't need all of our lawmakers now yelling about this when, as Tom Tillis had said, there are other issues out there that, you know, are kind of important. And it is interesting because this is not all Republicans. Fetterman, Pennsylvania Democrat senator, he's been interesting. He's been kind of a maverick kind of breaking from Democrats on issues like Israel and now this. He told Newsweek that he disagrees with the calls to crack down on the product. And he said here in quotes, I'm a big believer in choice for Americans. And I believe every adult should be having these kinds of choices with these kinds of products as well. He said tobacco is legal and that kills over half a million Americans of Americans a year. Alcohol is legal and kills lots of people. I would err on the side of freedom and not restricting that. Again, I mean, I think that's better said than some of the other statements I've said. But then again, I think it's okay to investigate it and just not ban it. And again, this does just show me how strangely divided we are because Zinn has slowly kind of become a product of, it's kind of become a conservative product. And much like how Bud Light was kind of a left product after the Dylan Mulvaney thing that's now luckily passing over. We're not talking about it as much, but you guys understand what I'm saying here is it's just kind of interesting that now you have different parts of the country, different parties, different political ideologies choosing a product based on that. Like that's not a good, that's, that's not a good status quo for our country. So we'll move on, but I, I just find this whole thing fascinating. I just happened to come across this story and thought, well, this is a perfect symptom of kind of our divisive culture war right now because Literally, what policymakers do, what a lot of our federal institutions do, is regulate and investigate this type of stuff. It shouldn't be a culture war. Now, the next thing I want to talk about is actually kind of a fascinating thing happening in Saudi, in Saudi Arabia that I think is a good symbol of Saudi culture. Not as much of a culture war here, though. I mean, I guess you could say maybe, but anyways, I digress. So this is a little bit lighter. I was reading that the Saudi government has made it so it's basically permitted non-Muslim diplomats to be able to buy alcohol at a specific liquor shop in Riyadh. And obviously Riyadh, capital of Saudi Arabia, this is of course where you're going to have diplomats, foreign policy, you know, advocates from other governments. You're going to just have foreign officials there that maybe you're not Muslims and may want to have a drink. (laughs) And From my understanding, this is literally going to be one store in Riyadh that only foreign officials can use. And I think for (laughs) a lot of people, this may sound just completely ridiculous, right? But this is the first time in about 70 years that the kingdom has done something like this. And also Saudi Arabia is one of the countries that has probably the most strict anti-liquor prohibition type of laws because it does follow such a strict interpretation of Islam, Wahhabism, Wahhabism, sorry. And yeah, there's not a lot of drinking going on in Saudi Arabia. And so I think this is kind of interesting, but while this is an interesting step, I guess in the right direction, 
because alcohol was already getting into Saudi Arabia via the black market. There's interesting studies that do show there, there are some Muslims that don't publicly drink but do like to have a drink in the privacy of their own home. It's not like every Muslim in the world doesn't drink, right? That's just insane to say. But there's definitely a spectrum. But I think it's safe to say in Saudi Arabia, most Muslims do not drink. So The Economist notes, though, that this is probably not a very fun process. Say you're a diplomat who wants to go, I don't know, buy a beer or whatever. It's probably not going to be fun. The Economist writes here in quotes, The distinctly unrelaxing shopping experience reportedly requires customers to show their diplomatic credentials, hand over their mobile phones, and pay with a special app. Sign me up, guys. And I haven't been to a whole lot of Muslim countries. I did spend a decent amount of time on multiple occasions in Morocco. I think Morocco is significantly different culturally and religiously than Saudi Arabia, but most of that population also doesn't drink. And I, I mean, it was actually great. We didn't really drink at all during our times there. Um, some of the best trips of my life were in Morocco. So really enjoyed that, no doubt. But that being said, I do remember our last night on the last time I was in Morocco, we were staying at our hotel and we went up on the roof of it and there was a little bar and they were selling beer. And I asked about it and they're like, yeah, there's like two or three companies in Morocco that sell it. It's pretty much only tourists that buy it. And yeah, we went on our way. It wasn't very good beer. I mean, that's what happens when you don't really have a competitive market for it in a country where there's not a lot of demand, right? So not really particularly surprising. But my my assumption in this case in Saudi Arabia, back to that, is that the country is trying to diversify its economy, right? I've talked about this before. It's That's also why it's been getting involved in like live golf. It's been bringing pl- pl- uh, players like Karim Benzema to play there. It's been buying up Premier League teams, been just trying to get involved in the sports world. It's because the the economy needs to diversify from oil, right? And basically, they also now probably want to start bringing in more tourists to actually go watch these soccer games that they are bankrolling big names to come and play for, right? And so my theory is, is they do want to make alcohol a little bit more acceptable to actually appeal to people that want to come in. Because there is a subset of especially soccer fans and travelers that might not want to go to a kingdom where it's prohibited, right? And I'm not saying Saudi Arabia is going to be the next Vegas, it's not going to be the party capital of the world, but I do think they are trying to maybe appeal to people to get them to come more. And now, now, of course, the other side of this that I always find fascinating too is that this kind of tells me about how, I would say almost insane, this is though, because they are going to allow non-Muslim diplomats to buy alcohol, but they're still restricting their own people. And I guess as someone that supports liberalism and limited government intervention when it comes to personal choice, I'm just not really impressed. (laughs) I'm just not really impressed on this. And after I was looking into this story, I then found an interesting Pew Research Center survey of Muslims around the world. And you won't be surprised to know that the majority surveyed said that they found drinking alcohol was morally wrong. The survey writes, more than half in all countries where Muslims were surveyed held this view, including more than 9 in 10 in Thailand, Ghana, Malaysia, the Palestinian territories, Indonesia, Niger, and Pakistan. 
And I should note that parts of this survey were published in 2013, included about 40,000 interviewees. But it is also just interesting because I, I wouldn't imagine that number has changed dramatically. But now the interesting part of this, though, that I also found was that in 11 of the 37 countries, the survey also found in quotes, at least one in 10 said that drinking alcohol is morally acceptable. And in some countries, the, the, the survey says later, sizable percentages said consuming alcohol is not a moral issue. And this just shows me, I think it is, it, it is not a totally black and white issue. And I, I've just always found, I, I've always found the issue of alcohol in Muslim societies to be fascinating. Again, I will just reiterate, this is not Saudi Arabia all of a sudden getting ready to let their own people make these decisions and legalize it all, boom, boom, boom. No, this is, I think, just to appeal to tourists and bring in more money. That's That would be my, my thoughts on this at the end of the day. Anyways, before we're out of here, I did just want to briefly talk a little bit more about the New Hampshire outcome from yesterday. I want to start with the Democrat side, though. So because of technicalities, Biden wasn't actually on the ballot. He was a write-in. And he still did significantly better than Dean Phillips, Marianne Williamson, and someone named Paperboy Love Prince. Probably not a real person. Anyways, my point here is that Biden got 66.4%. Dean Phillips came in behind him with 19.7%. So Biden was the winner in, in New Hampshire with 72,319 votes. Dean Phillips, 21,455. Marianne Williamson herself with 4,366. So Andrew Yang got a lot of uh, criticism from some more on the progressive side because he basically told Marianne Williamson, well, he put out a statement saying Marianne Williamson, drop out, endorse Dean Phillips if we want any opposition to Biden. <laughs> well, even if that was the case, I mean, obviously, again, this is New Hampshire. Not every state's going to look completely the same way. But even if you add up Marianne Williamson and Dean Phillips, not even 25% to Biden, 66%. What this tells me is that, yeah, look, I'm not happy that I'm going to have to vote for Biden again. I do wish there was a younger alternative that could be more vibrant against Trump and really sell the alternative vision, whatever you want to call it, to Donald Trump. But it doesn't look like people want Dean Phillips to do that. It doesn't look like they want Marianne Williamson to do that. And what this tells me is that I think a lot of Americans, at least according to this, and things could change, and this is still not a general election, but I think a lot of Americans are thinking pragmatically about this. A lot of independents, a lot of, a lot of Democrats, and even... Nikki Haley again. I was talking about exit polling last night. A lot of people that were interviewed on CNN and other outlets, a lot of the people that voted for Nikki Haley against Trump in the primary said that if she ends up dropping out and Trump's the nominee, they would go to Biden. So I think there is a lot of pragmatism towards understanding Biden's not great. He's old. It's painful to watch him do speeches. He's not perfect, but he's a better alternative than Trump. And yeah, I... I like Dean Phillips. I actually think policy-wise, I agree with him on quite a lot. I think he's really smart. But I'm just really starting to struggle to understand why he's still in this, basically. I just don't see a path forward. And that gets us now to a few things I also wanted to say about Nikki Haley. I'm a little bit irritated with her. Well, quite irritated with her. She, two days before New Hampshire 
finally started talking about Trump's mental acuity, started talking about his age. She basically moved on from just the chaos narrative. And it's like, yo, why didn't you do this months ago? Maybe she learns because it's unclear if she drops out or keeps going until South Carolina. I think she stays longer than Ron DeSantis. But again, attacking Trump's mental acuity would have been good a while back. I'm also angry because her point time and time again is that a Trump-Biden rematch is just going to be two 80-year-olds. And... (laughs) But then she also says that if Trump is convicted, which I think eventually will happen, and she's president, she said she would likely pardon him. The reason she says in quotes is because she doesn't want to see an 80-year-old man sitting in jail. My issue with her is her attacks are still weak, even if she's learning that maybe you can't uh, can't attack his mental strength. She's also just saying it's about mental acuity and age, but she never really wants to address... The authoritarian, the authoritarian tendencies, Schedule F, Trump's growing racist rhetoric, what he wants to do on the border, his attacks on her because of her Indian heritage. It's, it's like, I think she should be making the case about how dangerous his character is and how his rhetoric is getting worse instead of just saying it's about age, but then also saying she would probably pardon him because she doesn't want to see an 80-year-old in jail. I, I, I don't care about age in, in jail. Like, if, it, if he deserves to be in jail, he deserves to be in jail. And I, I think that's the, the morally vapid side of Nikki Haley is that, yeah, she's starting to make arguments about his memory and mixing her and Nancy Pelosi up with January 6th. And, but she's missing, I think, the, the, broader, the broader issue that people like me and other never-Trumpers and people like Biden have even tried to argue, is that it's not as much about Trump's age. It's about what he's saying. And she still doesn't really want to address that. And so while I think she's learned a few things, it sounds like she doesn't want to address the reality of it. That she's lost two, well, she lost the Iowa caucus and now the New Hampshire primary. She's still down on him. And a lot of the people that are supporting her are independents that'll probably just go to Biden in a general election. And she's not willing to actually call out the major orange elephant in the room and what he wants to do, retribution. She, she claims to want to support Ukraine. Trump wants to end that. I just don't understand what her lane is. And it's getting more complicated to, to understand it at all. So fun times. That's going to do it. A little bit shorter episode today. I am exhausted. And anyways, um, you can find me on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify. You guys know the rest. Adios. Thank you.